This episode is brought to you by New York-based Business Systems Consulting. Business Systems Consulting is a full-service information technology company serving small to large businesses in the greater New York City area, including parts of New Jersey and Connecticut. They've been developing quality custom IT solutions since 1995. Business Systems Consulting can implement your company's current IT professionals and step in and manage all aspects of your IT environment. No project is too small, too big, too simple, or too challenging. For more information, contact 631-909-8386. That's 631-909-8386. Or to schedule a free consultation, contact sales at B as in business, S as in systems, C as in consulting, NY.com. Welcome to Life Stuff. You can be tougher. I'm Dustin Planelt, your host. This is a show about life, and it's about purpose. It's about the stories that we all hear. Everyone, when you think about it, well, they have a story. Yet some stories seem more riveting than others. That is to be expected. Our guest today is a master at helping other people around the world tell and share their story. Josh Nielsen is the founder of Zencaster, a company that makes it easy to record high-quality audio for podcast interviewees based anywhere in the world. Let's bring him on now. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, Dustin. It's my honor. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited, Josh. You, know, you have built a company, you and your team, that has really reached around the globe. But I have to imagine it all started with you um, earlier than that in life. So tell us your story. Where did this begin for you? <laughs> oh, man. How do I, you know, we could chase it all the way back to, uh, you know, my birth. But I'll, we'll pick a good starting point. What was your first um, job? We'll start there. Okay, that's a good place. So my first job was actually a, comp in a company in Los Angeles called Mahalo. It was run by Jason Calacanis, uh, who is a, a serial entrepreneur and angel investor and um, does a lot of things. But he also does the This Week in Startups podcast. And he's been doing that for, I don't know, forever. And uh, I actually got that job through the podcast. Um, I had applied to the job, but like the seat the CTO quit or left while that happened and I fell through the cracks and, but he had like an ask Jason segment on his show. Uh, and I called into the show, uh, at, at the recommendation of a friend of mine. And I, I, I said, Hey, you know, there's this startup company they're asking me or they're, they're, you know, we've, we've been in contact, they've given me an offer, but it wasn't, you know, it was like a lower offer, but with some equity, how do I value that? And, he was like, you know, how do I value the equity? Because I don't know what it's worth. And he was like, you know, that's weird that this company would do that. Like, who, who you know, who are these guys? And I was like, oh, it's your company. And <laughs> so that uh, got me back on the radar. And then uh, they, you know, hired, ended up hiring me in the end. So kind of funny that I got, I didn't realize then that podcasting was going to kind of be my thing. But um, that's how I started my career. That's how it began for you. Now, now podcasts, I mean, what do you think it is about podcasts that makes people so engaged or interested in being a part of this? I mean, it's, it's a subculture, is it not? 
it's fun. And the people that are doing it are fun. Like that, that's what I've found is like I said, it, I didn't, I've always been interested in liked podcasting. I have enjoyed go, being part of live audiences kind of with different shows I'm fans of. And, uh, and I've realized as it became more clear that this is the path I was taking on that, um, <clears throat> these are all just really fun people. Everybody, every podcaster I've met is like someone who's trying to make something happen. You know, they're either trying to, whether it's a business or just an idea or just wanting to connect with people, they're ambitious people, often entrepreneurial. And they're the type of people I, I like to surround myself with. I, I love that because as a podcaster, it all started with me with this rinky dinky podcast that kind of took off, or at least that's what my wife calls it. Um, but it <laughs> ultimately was this idea that said that, what if I could learn from others around the world? What if I could ask them how they did it? What if I could get into their head and then other people like me will go, ah, okay, that's the breakthrough moment. So you must have reached it in your own life, your aha moment. What was your aha moment, Josh? Um, well, to what you just said, like, I think that's it's taking one step back. I think that's a real big part of it for people. And that's what I use it for. If there's somebody that I want to talk to, it's a lot easier to say, come be on my podcast. My audience could really benefit from it rather than saying, can I please personally have some of your time, you know, cause it gives them something back while you're getting from them. And so it's a better, it's an easier exchange. And then the audiences just love to be a fly on the wall for those conversations as well. And so I think the podcasters who have figured it out are the ones that are like, and you obviously have, I mean, you've had some really great guests on your show and, uh, it probably would be hard to get that time with those people if you didn't have a podcast, right? You know you what? They probably, offer. candidly, most of them wouldn't know who I am if there wasn't this show. And I, I think that's what's interesting about this space. One that you have been building your career upon is how do we elevate others? You know, we call the show Life's Tough. You can be tougher. That it starts with you and making this decision so talk about goals or talk about dreams. What was it, you know, take yourself all the way back, the young, the younger Josh, what was it that you wanted in your own life? Yeah. You know, I think about this cause I, I think oftentimes I'm a bit of a mysterious creature to myself. <laughs> like, uh, sometimes I don't know what's driving me and I've thought about that a bit. Like, what is it, you know, what, um, I, uh, you know, what's the core that I'm trying to achieve? Cause a lot of times I just feel like, uh, you know, sometimes just let's just see if we can, like, why not see if we can do something big or make something fun happen. But I also think, um, you know, more seriously, uh, like Apple, uh, is a great example of this, not the only example, but of a company and people, you know, jobs and Wozniak who literally changed the world by making great products. And, you know, I think that's inspiring. And I think that's, uh, you know, within reach of everybody. And so, uh, you know, when I, when I try and think like, what is my life purpose or my life goal? I think <clears throat> my answer right now at least is just to create something that didn't exist before and kind of push humanity forward in some little tiny way, you know, make something easier empower people to do something that they couldn't do before. And podcasting has just been a really fun place to do something like that. Now, do you find that you've met that goal yet? I mean, setting goals, you've built a very successful company called Zencaster. So for those tuning in, like, talk about that. Then what happens when you finally reach that goal that I'd have this dream, I have this idea. Now it's materialized. What's next? 
I, I went through this because my my original goals with Zencaster were quite modest. It was I had three goals. I wanted um, uh, uh, location independence. My my wife's from New Zealand, and she, you know, there's just I, I knew I was gonna have to be traveling around and not be able to just stick in one place. Um, yeah, location independence. I wanted decision making autonomy. And I also wanted financial freedom. And, uh, you know, at that time, I, my goal was I wanted to build a business that I could uh, bootstrap to like 15K a month in revenue. And the first month that we turned on paid plans at Zencaster, we hit that. Remarkable. And so I was like, kind of just sitting there like, oh, well, what? What now? Like, <laughs> Did you just like pull the, that number the out? Who, like, yeah, Josh, like the dog no. who caught, finally caught the car. And it's like, what do I do with this thing? I mean, what do you do next? I mean, so I even that number, I, I have to imagine, was just a number you decided upon that, okay, I could I could pay my bills, I, I could support my support my family, and, and I could give back to others. So how do you set goals? And it sounds to me you set one that was realistic. I totally got that number from, uh, what's it called? The 500, the, the 30 by 5, what is it? I forgot the name of the, the methodology. I think it's Amy Hoy is the author of this book. Um, and basically the idea is you get 500 people to pay you 30 bucks a month or something like that. That gets you to 15,000 a month. And that is kind of like that baseline for financial freedom where most people could kind of stop worrying about money day to day and start, uh, you know, Obviously, if you manage your finance as well, you can sure. obviously spend as much money as you want to. Yeah. But so I got it from that book and I was like, okay, that's a great goal. And it sounded very attainable. Just got to get 500 people, pay me 30 bucks a month. And that's, you know, then figure out the next step. So you got to then do something uh, you enjoyed, though, at the same time that this it doesn't sound like because I get to look at you right now that it doesn't even look like this is a job for you. It looks like this is something you truly enjoy. That is, I mean, that's true, mostly. I mean, every, there's drudgery and everything, but um, no, I think part of my, I don't know, talent or skill is that I am totally okay to sit on my butt for like 18 hours a day at a computer and program. Um, and I don't get to do that as much any, any, anymore uh, or really much at all, but those first few years, that's really what needed to happen. <laughs> so... I enjoy it. Like I program in my free time. I like to build things. Uh, now I build, I've kind of switched over to woodworking because I felt like I needed something more tangible uh, to kind of get me, break me away from the computer at times. But uh, yeah, I just like making stuff and it's, it's especially rewarding if you make something that people like, just like if you made a great cutting board and gave it to your family and they use it every day. That's a lot better than if it just sits on the bottom of, uh, of the, of the, the shelf. So, uh, you know, seeing that people were really using the product that it was driving value for people and not just a few people, but tens of thousands, like that's, uh, you know, I, I find that rewarding. You know, it's interesting for, for people that when they, they see somebody has finally reached a place of success or that they've made it, but they don't realize and they don't understand is that the journey that it took to get here, that this was tens and tens of thousands of hours committed, that this was, you know, 80 to 100 hour work weeks. This was no vacation. You didn't just get to say, all right, I'm going to turn it off now for the next week or two weeks that that when you get into it, that all it takes is all you got. So where did you learn that? 
you know, it's one of those things where you just start to realize that if I don't triple or quadruple my output, I'm never going to get to the finish line here. Um, I spent almost two years between the time that I launched the first beta of Zencaster and the time that I started charging. Um, cause I was doing contract work on the side. I had a baby, a new baby was like living out of my wife's parents garage in New Zealand. And so there was, uh, it took a long time, a lot of focus and a lot of just making time on the side for it. So Josh, where you originally started the business, you then moved or did the business move or did you move? I was the business. <laughs> so it was wherever I was. I mean, for the first two and a half years, it was just me. And then you moved on. And yeah. So just like I, I was in Boulder, Colorado and kind of the whole thing, I, there was a precursor to this. I started a business with some friends that was like an audio based, it was a, it was called Soundkeep, and it was a place for electronic musicians to collaborate and create music together online. Um, and this was where I first started learning how to build audio tools in the browser. But what happened is we did like little to no market research and found that most musicians don't want to share their content in that way or have other random people remixing their stuff. They want to have like their, you know, maybe their music partner we're working with. Anyway, that one didn't work out. Um, but it was kind of the precursor where I was learning the skills I needed to do this. When that didn't work out, I left, I went to Australia to chase my now wife. Um, and I started working on a, basically I was trying to build a digital audio workstation in the browser, uh, which is a huge task and had no clear path to revenue. Uh, and then I found out I had a baby on the way and I was like, okay, forget about like, this is going to come across as maybe sounding bad, but it was kind of a moment where I was like, forget about your dreams and your passions. You got to make some money. What is the quickest path to revenue here? And so I, cause music I kind of held on to cause I thought that was fun and I wanted to be part of, a, you know, a music company, a music startup, whatever. Once I let go of that and I started thinking a little more broadly, I realized there's actually a lot of other really fun, cool stuff happening with audio that actually has more ability to be a business. And uh, at some point, someone had said to me, forget about music, podcasters have a problem with audio. And I just kind of brushed that to the side and because I was like, ah, we're, we're doing this. We've got a plan. That sounds fine, but that's not our plan, right? Um, but when I needed to come back and find another idea, that came back to me. And I was like, okay, let's revisit that and see. So I started talking to some podcasters. Sure enough, they were all using like Skype call recorders at the time. Uh, and the internet connections were back then were a lot worse than they are now too. And so the quality was really bad. And these people were getting like flamed on Twitter by their audience for pub publishing these episodes. That's actually how I got the first hundred users on Zencaster is I went on Twitter and I found all of the podcasters who were saying things like, uh, F Skype for screwing up my podcast, expletive bleep, whatever. And I just like had all these search terms for like swear words and Skype together. And I would find the ones who are the podcasters and I just say, Hey, I fixed it. And they all just loved it. You know, I heard something a person told me years ago. Uh, and then I heard it again this past year that said success leaves clues that you found these clues all over the world to say, ah, aha, that if I can solve the problem for this group, 
well, then there must be another group of people that haven't complained about it, but are just as frustrated. Yeah, definitely. I think I think Twitter is like, I mean, isn't that what people use Twitter for is to complain? So if you can find people complaining, I mean, I, there's a lot of unsolved problems that are there's evidence of on Twitter. You know, a lot of people, though, they get to the spot where they keep complaining about it. We call the show Life Stuff. You can be tougher that you decided to do something about it that I don't know. I'm going to put words in your mouth. You got tired of being sick and tired. And you said, I can provide a solution to these people. I can provide a solution for myself, but I'm going to have to get it done. I'm going to have to start. So how did you get this idea off the shelf? Talk to those out there, the, the, the wannabe entrepreneurs. How did they get the idea out of the head and execution? Honestly, it was because I was so deluded about what it would take to make it happen that I tricked myself into starting. <laughs> I, don't, I think if I maybe had known how long and difficult the path would be, that it would have been a lot harder to take that first step. Um, but I'm glad that I did. Like I thought the first prototype, I thought, okay, I can bring this together in like six weeks. And so I started, you know, six to eight months later i finally had a very bro like a prototype that needed caution tape wrapped around it basically <laughs> uh and but it was enough to just test it out and see if there was interest i mean at least people cared that it wasn't working right like normally i've built stuff before where people don't even know because they don't care to even try it or what you're doing right so sure. uh anyway a bit of a ramble but i yeah, like you just kind of have to get started. I mean, if and here's the thing, this came out of like two or three failed attempts at different kinds of businesses, different kinds of products. And so it's very much like a shotgun approach. <laughs> I don't know if that's, maybe that's a little bit uncharitable, but I, there's no way I would have gotten to where I ended up if I hadn't started. You had to take I, I, that I, I, first step that you had to say, I'm going to do something with this idea because if I don't, well, someone else will ultimately do it. Well, and it's, you're, you have to, there's so much about entrepreneurship and building products that is like, kind of has to become intuitive and you, and you don't get an intuition for the right moves and the wrong moves without making moves and seeing which ones were right and which ones were wrong. And, uh, you can't just read it in a book. And I think so many people, even myself, get caught up in like reading all the books about startups or whatever and not actually taking the step. And that's where you're going to learn the most. I mean, and this is kind of a trend through my life. Like I dropped out of college to join Mahalo. Um, I learned way more in Mahalo than I would have staying in college. Then I left Mahalo probably earlier than, you know, uh, I could have, but I went to Techstars and I learned more than I would have if I would have stayed. And, uh, you know, and then when I started Soundkeep, that was a step that was a big bad step in the wrong direction by a lot of a way you could look at it that way um and it was like it was not the right move as far as like finding business success but you have to be able to take those wrong steps and just see and that's when that's what informs the right ones if i hadn't been out there trying to talk about something that wasn't going to work somebody wouldn't have said hey that's not so interesting but what about this that, you know that's great insight because i think what happens to people of all ages that they they have this idea and they want to build something or they look at others and back to the earlier conversation they, that they, they don't realize the journey, that this is going to be a journey you're going to learn. If you remember the colonel from KFC, 
Um, it, it took a while for the kernel to even get that recipe picked up by my restaurants that say, I like the recipe, I want the recipe. What does it take in terms of commitment? And then also, as you're going forward, what have been like for you? What are you most proud of? I think bootstrapping the business. I mean, we uh, I bootstrapped it to about a million ARR before we built out, you know, brought in like other, uh, you know, I eventually brought in a, <clears throat> a co-founder uh, after several years, which is unusual. But um, Adrian, my co-founder, was actually uh, he started. He was he he got his start at Mahalo as well. We were both kind of that was our first job together. We became really good friends. He stayed in LA, went to a bunch of startups. He became the first engineer at Flippagram, which got became the fastest growing app in the app store ever. He got bought by ByteDance and rolled up into what became TikTok. So he has this really interesting background with uh, consumer products and user generated content and all this stuff that quite frankly is a blind spot for me or I just don't have that experience. And so uh, when I was talking to him about like the podcast space is blowing up and all these major digital streaming players are getting involved and he saw from his side how much room for improvement there is in the podcasting space just from a, it's just so hard for creators to create right now. And so I brought him on to basically help take the business to the next level and um, help solve broader problems for podcasters. Cause right now we're kind of a recording solution uh, or that is what we do, but people, podcasters don't care about their audio quality in and of itself so much except for the audio files. What they care about is that if their audio quality is bad, it's going to de decrease their audience. And if it's great, then they're going to help find and grow their audience. And that's really what they're trying to do in the most cases. So, you know, we're in the process of kind of taking a step back and realizing that uh, there's so many different pieces of the podcasting tool chain that are fragmented and it's just so hard to create. These guys are spending six hours on average to create a single episode they often don't know how to market it and so nobody listens and then you have to do this every week it's very uh, unrewarding for a lot of people because it's just hard to do and a lot of the tools aren't there to help people do it properly and so uh you know that was part of the uh after i after i got kind of that, that that was a goal for me was bootstrapping to a million arr and then it was another one of those things where like okay now what um what's the next step here and adrian is kind of the answer to that question and that sounds incredible. Like you, you were able to add to your tribe and make your tribe even stronger. So you have this, this goal of 500. If I could just have 500 users, what, what's your next goal? Uh, well, you know, I, 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 there's, that's a really great question in a quantifiable way. I don't know if I have a great answer for you. Um, but we did just raise some money. And so we have, we now have, we're basically trying to build a new way to podcast that's going to help open up podcasting to the masses. Uh, and cause right now there's you know, maybe a couple million podcasts, but there's way more people that would engage with podcasting if it didn't take six hours to create a single episode. And if it was easy to find guests and you know, all, all of all these things. And so we think there's room for uh, exponential growth in the podcast creator space. Um, and then also just in building tools to help existing podcasters um, actually really have a great, amazing workflow that's rewarding uh, financially and, you know, social, socially. So advice you can give to those out there, let's say corporations, businesses, 
Why should a company start a podcast? I think podcasting is one of the most effective ways to run your content marketing strategy. Um, especially if you're, let's take businesses, for example, or an executive. If you're trying to have thought leadership or build a content marketing strategy and you've got a lot of other stuff to do as well, um, podcasting is great because you, you know, and this is what we're trying to help with. As long as you can automate the surrounding stuff or have a producer or someone that help that helps kind of set up the guests and take the content and help it get um, produced and published, then you can just show up, have a great conversation for 45 minutes and then go back to your business. And now you, but, and now you've created in a less amount of time than it would have taken you probably to write a decent blog post. You've got way better content than you probably would have blogged about because you had an amazing guest and that's what it's really about also and you've you know built out your rolodex and you can take that content you can make a blog post out of it you can put it on youtube you can put it on social so it's just a it's just a very um high value way to run a content marketing strategy and it's fun and advice you can give to entrepreneurs out there You know, I, I back to what I was saying before, you know, don't just get started, start, start throwing things against the wall and see what sticks, you know, don't worry so much about, you know, I, I recently did an interview with Seth Godin about his new book, uh, the practice. And it's all about this. It's not, um, nobody ever expected that you're going to learn how to ride a bike without crashing was one of his examples. And that made a lot of sense to me. Like, yeah, why would you expect you're going to hop on the first time and just sail away on your bike? No, that's not how it works. And that's how, that's not how anything works really. So you, you gotta be, don't be afraid to take this first step. Don't wait to take the first step. You're yeah, you're going to trip. Yeah. You're going to bang your knees up. That is going to teach you. That's not bad. That's good. Great advice. Thanks again for sharing your story. Life's tough. Josh Nielsen and Zencaster. Well, they're tougher. Thanks again, Josh. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you again, Josh, for sharing your story. What is your dream and how are you getting there? They say build your own dreams or someone else will hire you to build theirs. Josh had a plan. He had a dream. I will not quit. I will not give up. I will rise above. I will rise to the challenge. And that is why Zencaster has become one of the top and most successful podcasting software systems in the world. That was Josh's dream. What's yours? Life's tough. You can be tougher. See you again next time, everyone.